Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. Enjoyed the Sunday school lesson this morning. Would have been a little nicer if we could have just went on just a little bit longer so we could have had a little bit more time for the last section. I believe we kind of rushed over that. But uh, are you imitating God? I remember when as a child at home, we like to, as children, we like to imitate people. And it didn't always work out too well. Parents didn't really think that was a good thing to do. But it's okay to imitate God. And so let's do that. We've all heard about the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy. Scientists travel to the town of Pisa every year to, to measure the building's slow descent. They report that the 179-foot tower, which was built in 1173, moves about 1 20th of an inch each year and is now 17 feet out of plumb. Well, recent renovations have saved the 850-year-old tower to, to prevent it from collapsing. Significantly enough, the word Pisa means marshy land, which gives some clue as to why the tower began to, to lean even before it was completed. Another issue is the fact that it was <clears throat> the, the foundation that it's on is only 10 feet deep. And so the reason the, the leaning tower of Pisa is leaning is because of a faulty foundation. And I'd like to take us to a familiar passage that, that speaks of two builders. And this is a story that even the, the children know. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And I've titled the message, A Tale of Two Builders. Two houses are built on two different foundations with two different results. Jesus teaches us that the foundation upon which we build the, the house of our lives is of utmost importance. <clears throat> I'd like to begin reading at verse, verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. First of all, I'd like for us to consider the the comparisons, this short parable appears to speak of two very different types of people. 
The two people Jesus pictures here are, have several important characteristics in common. Both heard the words of Christ. The two people in this parable both heard Jesus share his message of faith and repentance. So both people referenced in this parable knew the way of salvation. They both heard the gospel and each one had a reaction to it. Both built houses. Each of these people built a house based on their understanding of what Jesus said. The house in this parable is a, is a picture of life. That is, each man built a life based on how they interpreted the message of Jesus. This means that both people believed the message to a certain point. They each applied the, the words of Jesus to their life as they saw fit. Both built in the same location. Verse 25 and 27 describe a, a very severe storm. And this storm affected both houses. So they must have been built in close proximity to one another. Both built similar houses. Nothing is said about their, their houses being different. They use similar materi materials and most likely a similar design. And so from the outside, these two homes look very much alike. In fact, they were so, so much alike, you might have not been able to, to tell them apart. You know, sometimes you can drive through a subdivision and, and you'll look at the houses and you'll see that, yeah, that house looks like another house in that same subdivision. And it might, the collars might be a little different, but the looks of it is the same. I worked with a fellow a number of years ago and he talked about these kinds of houses and he said they're cookie cutter houses because they just look alike. On the way to, to Caswell along Route 29, there's a, there's a row of houses there. Uh, and I don't know how many houses there are. There's probably six or seven houses. And you can tell they were built by the same contractor, because there's two different designs. One house is one way, the next house is another way. And then you see the same thing with the next house. It's like the first house. And so they look the same on the outside. Now, of course, the insides are probably, probably different. The picture is of people and how they respond differently to the gospel message. The gospel is, is very simple. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15, I'd like to read verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day 
according to the scriptures. That's the message that must be believed in order for a person to be saved. Romans 10.9 puts it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is as simple as, as believing the gospel. Of course, you'll notice that the Bible says in that verse, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Salvation involves faith in the gospel, but it also involves repentance of sin and a willingness to yield to the lordship and control of Jesus Christ in their lives. So people that, that hear the message may react to it in different ways. Regardless of how a person may react to it, they all build their lives based on what they think Jesus is saying. These people all build their houses in the same location. That is, they weather the same storms, they work the same jobs, they do the same things, they go to the same church. They hear the same preaching and live the same kind of lives. And from the outside, you really can't tell much difference between the two hearers. Obviously, the people pictured here are religious, serving in and, and supporting the church. They're responsible citizens. Both seem to believe the same things and, and live the same kind of lives. They have a lot in common, at least on the outside. Now I'd like for us to consider the contrast. While there are several similarities, there are some very major differences between these two types of people. And those differences are, are worth noting. One man built his house on the sand. He built his house with little preparation. He found a spot for his house and decided to go ahead and build. Sand is unstable, ever-changing and moving. Sand offers no stability. Sand can never provide a firm foundation. In this context, building on the sand speaks of people who hear the gospel, but instead of believing the gospel and coming to faith in Jesus, they believe they can build their lives on the shifting sands human philosophy, wisdom, opinion, and religious achievement. They're driven by outward religious appearances and faith in themselves rather than faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. People who build on the sand, they hear the gospel and choose to follow God on their terms. To them, his word is open to interpretation. If he commands them to do something, they will obey it if they choose to. If they don't like it, they won't do it. They build the house of their lives on self-will, on self-fulfillment. 
fulfillment, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and self-righteousness. Theirs is a works-based religion that has the appearance of being right, but that lacks the power to save the soul. Paul describes that kind of person in 2 Timothy 3 like this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. People build on the sand because it's easy. It requires little effort. Just a little change here and a little change there and they can fool themselves and everyone around them into thinking they are right with the Lord. A life built on the sand requires no commitment, no sacrifice, and no faith. People who build on the sand believe they can pray a prayer, join a church, and all will be well. People who build on the sand can turn it on and off like flipping a switch. They can be in today and out tomorrow and in again the next day. Sand builders ultimately have their faith in themselves. When God makes demands on sand builders and calls for total surrender to his will, what do they do? They make excuses. Jesus encountered this very thing during his ministry. Turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at, my, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The first one said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus told him to consider the cost. He says, you can count on poverty. He tells him the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Here he calls himself the Son of Man. A son of Adam, partaker of flesh and blood. Christ was poor to sanctify his people. If we want to follow Christ, we must lay aside the, the thoughts of great things in the world. We must deny ourselves and take up the cross. 
The second person said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. We can be tempted to think that our duty to our relations will excuse us from our duty to Christ. What was Christ's answer? He said, let the dead bury their dead. Now, Christ isn't saying that we shouldn't have a desire to take care of our parents. But we must not make these offices an excuse from our duty to God. And then there was another that said, I'll follow, but let me first go first and say goodbye to the family. He looked upon his following Christ as if he was going to die and never see his family again. He seemed to hanker after his relations and family concerns over following Christ. He was setting himself up to be tempted by the family to just stay home. Well, Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If we look back to the worldly life, if we look back as Lot's wife did to, say, did, did to Sodom, then we're not fit to receive the good seed of the kingdom of God. Those who began the work of God must resolve to go on with it or they will make nothing of it. Matthew 10, says, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. People who, who build their lives on religion, self-righteousness, and false hope will not serve God. They will not sacrifice. They only walk the easy path. Sand builders like instant results. Instant rewards, instant satisfaction, and instant pleasure. There are shallow people who, who love the heights, but hate the depths. They are hot, then cold. They are in and then out. They are up and then down. Well, one man built his house on the rock. The word rock refers to a large outcropping of rocks. It speaks of the bedrock. While one man built his house on the other God built his house on the sand. The, the other dug deep. He dug until he reached the bedrock and, and built his house on the rock. The rock doesn't move. It's unchangeable and stable. You know, sometimes we can, we can go out and, and dig a hole. And we want to plant something there. And we can go down a little ways and... If we hit something solid, we might go and get the digging iron. We might dig a little while and you know, we hit and that thing sounds awful solid down there. 
You know, we might work at it for a while, but then <laughs> what do we do? We give up because it's solid. And we move the hole to where it's a little easier to dig. Building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and believe it to the point that they build their lives on it. The rock is the gospel. It's the same rock mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 16. I'd like to turn there and just read that. Matthew chapter 16. Beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter said that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus then said, because of your firmness, because of your steadfastness, I will be able to build my church. Not only build it, but even the gates of hell wouldn't shake it because of the firm foundation. Rock builders understand that Jesus alone has the power to save souls. Rock builders hear his word and they conform their lives to it. They hear what the Bible says about Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. They hear that message and, and receive it with all their heart. They hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. They hear the words, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That message strikes them like a bolt of lightning. It comes into their hearts with absolute clarity. They hear the truth of God's word and they believe it. They embrace it. They yield to it. <coughs> the message changes their lives. What God tells them to do in, in his word, they do. What God warns them of and not to do, they avoid. They pay any price, they walk any path, and do anything the Lord tells them to do. The house 
built on the rock. It's built by someone who realizes that God deserves the best. They sacrifice, they work, they do anything to honor the Lord. They love Him. They honor Him and obey Him. The rock builder's obedience to the Word of God proves they love the Lord. John 14, 15 says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Rock builders hear the Word of God and, and make it the foundation for their lives. By the way, this is, this is how the redeemed know they are redeemed. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 verses 3 to 6 And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandment is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected hereby know we that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked so there are there are two people who construct vastly different lives based on how they hear and respond to the gospel. One house is built on a firm foundation of faith in the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. The other is built on the shifting sand of religion, works, and self-righteousness. You're either a believer in the gospel and in Jesus or you have a false religion and a false hope of salvation. Salvation only comes from knowing Christ as your Savior. The message of the Bible is clear. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Who or what is the foundation for your life? Who or what are you building on? Are you building your life on the solid rock? Are you building your life on the shifting sand? <coughs> Next, I'd like for us to consider the, the consequences. <coughs> The parable tells us that the rains came, the floods followed, and the winds of destruction blew. <coughs> this image is Excuse me. 
This image is not just about the storms of life. This is the, the image of judgment. In the end, <coughs> both houses were subjected to a terrible storm of judgment. One house stood, and the other was totally destroyed. The house that was that was built on the sand couldn't face the judgment of God and it collapsed. Jesus even said, and great was the fall of it. This means that it was utterly destroyed. There was nothing left to show for life lived within it. There was nothing left of hopes and dreams and plans, efforts or anything. Everything was destroyed and swept away. This is a picture of what will happen to every person who builds their life on anything but Jesus Christ. There is coming a day of judgment. There is coming a day when every person will face God. Some people will see the house they have built crumble and fall before the judgment of God. The ones who build their life on the sand will spend eternity in hell when they die. Going back to Matthew chapter 7, notice the word therefore in verse 24. That word ties this parable with the verses before it. I'd like to read verses 21 to 23 now. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is about... People who build their lives on the sand. They faced God with their works and were cast out of his presence. And it's spelled out rather plain in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. It says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The house that was built on the rock experienced the same storm. The rain, the flood, the wind beat upon the house. That word beat means to strike, to batter. I believe all of, all of us have witnessed a, a raging storm and may have been in a building that, that shook during a storm. But we were thankful when the storm passed over and the building we were in was still standing. A house that is built on a firm foundation can stand against the storms of life. It may be shaken, but it doesn't fall. When a house is built on the word of God, it will stand. The house stood because 
the builder dug deep and built it on something greater than himself. <coughs> this builder understood that Jesus died for his sins, rose from the dead, and had the power to save anyone who would believe on him. <coughs> we can join church. We can be baptized. We can be a good person and still miss heaven. The person who built his, his house on the sand didn't intend for his house to fall. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was building a house that would stand. He was wrong. His confidence was not in the Lord. It was in himself. His confidence is misplaced. There was nothing wrong with his house. There was nothing wrong with the materials. The problem with his house was the foundation. If you are building your house on anything but Jesus Christ, it will fall. It might look sturdy. The materials might be all, all right. Everyone else might think the house is fine. But if it's built on the wrong foundation, it's going to fall. Many of you here are building a spiritual house. Every day you attach boards. You drive nails, you add on rooms, and try to improve your house. Regardless of what you do to the house, you are building what matters most is the foundation. Be sure you are building on Jesus Christ. And maybe you've started a house and you realize the foundation isn't what it should be. Jesus is there to save you and, and get you started building on, on the right foundation. There's a storm coming and your house is right in its path. When that storm comes, the only houses that will stand are those houses that are built in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't pay much attention to the news media, but what little I hear, it's possible we could be, be facing some storms in our country in the near future. And as long as we are building on a firm foundation, we need not fear. Our God is in control. He knows the storms we are facing and are going, going to face. May we build on that rock, the rock Jesus Christ, so that when the storms of life are upon us, we can remain steadfast and sure. You know, I had to think of those who were held hostage over in Haiti. You know, they were captured by evil men with evil intent. How would you have held up under those circumstances? How would I have held up? 
Storms are a normal part of life. In James chapter 1, maybe I'll just turn to that. There's a couple verses there I'd like to look at. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Another way of saying it is when, when you encounter various trials. The trials of life are, are nothing unusual. As we, as we walk this earth, we're going to encounter them. The true Christian can consider these trials, the storms of life, as joyful encounters because James continues in verse 3 he says knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience working patience has the idea of producing endurance and if we let endurance have its perfect result look at verse 4 but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire Wanting nothing. We will be made mature and complete, lacking nothing. No, it's not joy in the storm, but joy over the product the storm produces, which is maturity. And we could look at the many different storms that that we could face, but we won't go into all of those. But there are many storms that we can face in life. And the better our foundation, the better our outcome will be. Let's build on that solid rock. Let's build on something that is sure, something that will stand the test of time let's build our lives on Jesus Christ shall we have a song